Welcome. I'm Dr. Liz, an entrepreneur, speaker, podcaster, mom, and wife. This podcast is about hypnosis, but also about all kinds of ways to help you live your fullest life, to heal, transform, to play the long game and go after the joy. You can see more about me at drlizhypnosis.com. Hop over there to get a free hypnosis file to decrease fear and anxiety or one to increase emotional stability. They're there just for you. I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as I do. Peace. Hi, everyone. Dr. Liz here. I have known Todd Smith for many, many years now and have sat in on his free sessions of what we call The Work by Byron Katie. And it's really an inquiry process where you ask these questions and you um, have a facilitator to help you work through your answers to those questions. Well, Todd is the facilitator. He is truly skilled at holding the space and helping people do the work. And he's also such a kind, compassionate individual So I have asked some really hard questions. There was one question I asked at one of the free sessions where where I was crying, other people were crying. (laughs) You know, it it was quite emotional. And Todd was kind and compassionate and just truly held the space for me to continue with the inquiry process until it felt complete to me. And that's Todd on the regular. That is how he is. So when I heard that he recently launched a podcast called Wiggle Room, which we're going to talk about, I was like, oh my gosh, please come on my podcast. I would love to have you be a guest and help people find out just a different way of working through a question they have or a stuck point in their life or something that they're struggling with. So I hope you find this episode helpful. That's always my hope for a podcast episode in terms of discovering another way to heal, to transform, to get unstuck or move forward in your life in a way that's helpful for you. Peace. Hi, Todd. Welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Hey, thank you. It's great to be here. I was so excited to have you on because I've been um, attending your like free sessions for a couple of years now. I think I've been a big fan of yours for quite a while. And so I was really excited to hear that you launched a podcast where people can access the work that you do with people, the work that people do with you in a really easy way, actually, and get some real benefit from that. Awesome. Well, it's it's great to be here with you. And I'm excited about having a podcast as well. I'm sort of following in your footsteps, it seems. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and before before we move on, the podcast is called Wiggle Room with Todd Smith. Yep. It's available anywhere, Wiggle Room. And uh, we'll get into it a little bit, but it's the, the idea that there's a little bit of wiggle room always available in any situation. And we kind of put our attention in that direction. And sometimes that wiggle room can expand quite a lot to be uh, giving more freedom in situations that seemed impossible. 
for sure. For sure. I love the name actually, um, because it is this feeling sometimes when you begin to look at different perspectives of just finding a, a little bit of difference there, a little wiggle room to that feels more comfortable emotionally, mentally. And then once that happens, I think some even major, more major shifts can happen once you find that little bit at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. So can you tell us how you originally got into um, what we call the work by Byron Katie? Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, the work of Byron Katie uh, was not something I was looking for, but I was having difficulties with my in my relationship, my partner. And this was back in like 2006. And I was hoping, looking, wishing there was something more to go into. And ironically enough, he recommended Byron Katie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, and he goes, she's the real deal, you know? So I remember him saying that. And I was in a, in a Barnes and Noble in Richmond, Virginia, back in, in the day. And I, I found the book, Loving What Is by Byron Katie. And so it's just a cool little title. And I thought, let me read it. Let's see. As I read that book, I started getting really excited. And I felt like this was something that, um, that I'd kind of been missing. And it was just an invitation to get really truthful, really honest with yourself, um, and go into places where I thought it would be too scary to get into. So I, I read it, I got really excited, and then I started planning, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this a practice of mine. Because um, I've been doing meditation for many years, and that's also a practice of mine. Mm -hmm. But I felt like this is something on a par with that that I wanted to add. Mm -hmm. So I waited until, until January 1st, 2007, and then I said, today's the day I start my practice, and I've been pretty darn regular um, since wow. that time. Okay. When you say a practice, is it that you do the inquiry every morning or not necessarily morning, but sometime during the day? Is that what you yeah, mean by practice? I, I do it about five days a week. Um, and I do it for probably half hour to an hour, depending on, on my schedule. And right now I've built it into my work day. I actually, it's the first thing I do when I, uh, when I start my work day and it's just, it's just a, really nice beginning to the day that I, that I start. Fantastic. I could totally see that. Like starting the day with that. I tend to start my day with meditation and a little yoga, but yeah, sometimes journaling, but this could fall into quote unquote journaling. If you're doing an inquiry. Yeah. This is like, if you're doing this in written form, it can be done written or spoken with a partner, but if you're doing it in a written form, journaling is like the first step of it because you're getting the stuff out, you know, mm -hmm. you're getting the raw material out onto paper. And then this just takes it to the next step. It was once I've got some of my stressful thoughts out on paper from say journaling, then I can look at one of those thoughts and begin to question it in a really simple and systematic way that starts to often open my perspective about what I was seeing. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So before we jump into what the, the inquiry actually is, when did you decide to get trained? Um, that happened, uh, 2010. Um, I had been kind of inching my way towards, uh, this more and more as I'd been doing, I'd been listening to Byron Katie. I've been 
doing the work myself and getting more and more interested in it. And I didn't really have the money to go to any seminars or do a lot of things uh, in that direction. But um, after my mother passed away and I did get a little extra money, um, I thought, you know what? I think I would like to actually do this uh, this work. And actually, it's kind of funny how, how it happened. I was a professional photographer for um, about seven years. And oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I, I love photography. Um, but I had gone from wedding photography into nature photography because of a move. My whole clientele was gone after I moved to a new place. And mm-hmm. I was really passionate about nature photography and I was doing a lot with it, but wasn't making much money. And I was feeling some stress about that. So that was one of the things I did the work on. In fact, one time I did the work with Byron Katie herself. And the the turnarounds that came out of that piece of work sort of pointed me in like, well, you know, if it's not working, why do I have to keep trying? Yeah. I've been trying really hard. (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of stopped. And then um, then I worked for another company for a while. And then uh, then after my mom died, I had some money. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go into this and make this my job. And I've been Mm. doing that ever since. Great. Great. I think how I got introduced to you, I'm trying to remember, my friend Katya, I know it was through her, but did she meet you at a training or did she just know about your work? Because she did the training. Yeah. Yeah. I think think we just know each other virtually. If if we did meet in person, it was very briefly because I don't remember it very clearly. Okay. Okay. So she describes these training as pretty intense, actually. It's, um, is it 10 days or yeah, nine days? Yeah. Nine, Byron days. nine day school for the work. Um, it's been off during COVID, but if it ever comes back online, it's definitely worth attending for sure. Okay. All right. So then you began, um, offering the services professionally. She also has a, a program for training people, uh, to, become like facilitators of the work. And um, so that's like a more involved program that starts with the school for the work, that nine-day program, but then goes on and and has um, many courses and training exercises. Um, so that took me a couple of years to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, even then, like the work of Byron Katie, and I love this about the way she structured it, it it's free. It's free for anyone Mm -hmm. to use in any way. You don't have to get trained to be, to use it. You can use it professionally. Um, Mm -hmm. And so even while I was in that training program, I was already starting to see clients and starting to kind of um, move in the direction of, of doing it full time. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And it it is free, which I really love about it. I mean, you can easily Google it up, but you have the, um, the worksheets and the basic stuff on your website, the work is meditation.com. So people could go there and just download it for free if they wanted and begin to do it themselves. And I know for myself, I've always appreciated that you've run free sessions. Um, is it once a week or twice a week? Once a week. Yeah. Once a week. Open okay. sessions, which are free to anyone and um, are a lot of fun. Yes. The most interesting questions get asked. In fact, I think I attended them pretty regularly for, I don't know, a year or so. And I think I only asked one or two questions myself, but it's like just to listen was so helpful. And also as well as the chat. So I remember the 
the one question I was asking and someone had put in the chat, she was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like, this is really my question as well. So the work you're doing is helping me. So I always found that um, really supportive, really lovely, really helpful. I see it as like a resource when I'm feeling stuck in an area and I don't feel like I can get out of it. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm stuck really, like I'm feeling stuck and it's like, okay, I know I could go to a free session that Todd's offering and just ask that question or perhaps just listen and even feel unstuck. So let's jump in more into what those questions are. Can you lay out just a basic inquiry for, for the listeners? Yeah. Sure. So the basic format is always the same. And it's also one of the things I like about it is just solid. It's one of those things that doesn't mm-hmm. change. <laughs> True. So first step is identify a situation that's stressful. It could be a minor little situation or it could be a big deal. Um, you find a situation, the more specific you are about it, the easier it is to get a handle on what it is, um, what you're, what you're, how to get into that. Once you have a situation, then you start looking at what are the thoughts that I'm believing in that moment. And Byron Katie has a great worksheet uh, called the Judge Your Neighbor Worksheet. So uh-huh. if you, you want <laughs> a great title, it's, a great title. it's yeah, not a I'm not judging. Judge Your Neighbor Worksheet. It's a Judge <laughs> Your Neighbor Worksheet, right? Like where are your judgments coming out? So yeah. this is just for kind of like finding what are my thoughts in that situation. So I found a situation and what am I thinking? Who am I judging? What are the thoughts that are going on inside of me? where I'm kind of arguing with the way things are, arguing with reality. Mm-hmm. And so well, however you do that, either, either use the worksheet or do free form, write down your stressful thoughts. You come up with some of the thoughts that are causing that feeling of stress inside. And then you just trust that and write them down verbatim. Like they, they'll be immature. They'll sound really childish. They'll be like, oh, I don't really believe that, you know, but that emotion is telling me that I do believe that I am connected to that and it's stressing me. So I like to get real honest and just allow myself to, to get that, that thought really as it is onto paper, basically. So okay. that's the first step is to get the thought, find the thought to question. Mm-hmm. Once I have a thought to question, then I'm going to go through these uh, four questions and turnarounds which um, allow me to begin to explore the thought. So the th- the questions are, is it true? You know, so, you know, she, like, you can find anything, like, he doesn't respect me. And is it true? And then can you absolutely know it's true? He doesn't respect me. In this situation, even when he interrupted me, he doesn't respect me. Is that true? Can mm-hmm. I absolutely know it's true? So it's like another second chance to look at that. Yeah. That part reminds me of, um, check the facts. I do a lot of dialectical behavior therapy, DVT from um, Marshall Linehan is the creator of that. It's check the facts. Is this true? (laughs) And then often when you go through the flow chart, it's like, actually, we don't know if this is true or not. (laughs) So yeah, I always love that. That filter right there can catch probably 50% of what's going on because like there, there's so many times when the mind either exaggerates something or mm-hmm. just, just tells a story that it's a certain way when you really just don't know, you know, so check the facts. I love it. For love sure. It. That's yes, what we're is doing. It true? Do you know is it's it true? true? Yeah. And in case it's still true after you, you know, when your answer is it true, it's still a uh, yes. Then 
Byron Katie gives you one more chance to look like, can you absolutely know it's true? Just like get in there one more time and see for sure. Um, and sometimes it's a yes, like many times. So this is not about pulling the wool over my eyes and pretending, oh no, everything's fine. That really didn't happen. It's not like that. It's not about going into denial. It's about getting in touch with what's my experience. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Is that really true? Are you sure? And if it is great, if it isn't good to know. Mm -hmm. So those are the first two questions. The third question is a very interesting one. It's how do you react? What happens when you believe this thought? So when I'm thinking, you know, that he doesn't respect me in the moment when he's interrupting me, then I am, I become angry, I become short, I may become passive aggressive, I may um, be reminded of other times when that happened, I may want to get away, like there's so many yeah. reactions that can happen. And physically, I may feel a tightness in my heart or my stomach or any, yes. any kind of physical sensation. So these are reactions. And the point of that question is to notice what's going on for you. When I think that thought in that situation, look what happens to me. I mm -hmm. become closed. I become angry. I become mean, <laughs> basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so it's like, whoa, I didn't realize. I thought it was all about the situation. But this is what happens when I when I believe that thought. In yeah. The yeah. And it's really about tuning into your own reactions. So for some people, you know, it could go across the board. Some people, it could be shut down. I withdraw. I do that type of thing. If I believe that thought. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's really tuning in. Okay. What happens when I step into believing this thought? Right. It's like awareness without awareness. I'm having those reactions anyway, but I'm not really paying attention to it. I'm just mm -hmm. like on automatic pilot. Um, but this process is a meditative process. It slows me down and has me look and see what's actually happening. Like, oh, wow, that's amazing how powerful that is. I'm reacting in all these ways. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So then the fourth question uh, is, who would you be without that thought? And you look at the same situation, and this is hypothetical now, like you have mm -hmm. to imagine, okay, he interrupted me. And then imagine who would I be when he interrupts me if I don't have the thought he doesn't respect me? Yeah. And the mind starts to open. It's like I start, it starts to feel like the way friends are. Friends interrupt each other all the time. There, there's no stress in that. There's no feeling of, of anger in that. Yeah. As you imagine what it would be like without the thought, then you describe your experience and play with that. And so question four. Um, who would you be without the thought is like a, um, and question three, how do mm -hmm. I react? These two together kind of provide a way of comparing and contrasting uh, the experience, same experience, person's mm -hmm. interrupting me, but one's with the thought, he, he doesn't respect me. And the other's without the thought, he doesn't respect me. And you get to see what a difference just having one thought can make. Yeah. So that's where the wiggle room comes in. That's is, right. <laughs> it's like, all right. Let's look at it now from a different perspective or just slightly to the side, even like stepping slightly to the side, just figuring yeah. out in this example, how would I treat my partner if I didn't believe that they don't respect me, even if they interrupt me? Yeah. Yeah. That same situation, I might start listening. Like, what is, what is he saying? Maybe something mm -hmm. important. I may be 
interested or curious what about him rather than um, than defensive and shut down uh, when I'm believing he doesn't yes. respect me. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I can see all kinds of different perspectives pop up there. Right. Like perhaps um, they're excited or, you know, they're passionate about something yeah. or I don't know, they're ADD and they, they have a hard time waiting and holding on to that. Or oh. um, it's funny that you pick that because this is like an ongoing thing with my own partner. Is this interrupting? <laughs> and sometimes it's like, oh, we, you know, I say, do you need to take some notes because I'm not done talking yet so that you can track, you know, like a real practical suggestion there um mm. because sometimes you know the the reaction is like but i'm going to forget what i want to say if you continue to talk and i don't get to interrupt you you know like this type of thing i think it is right options are there right you, you start to be able to communicate there's not this anger pushing me to a shutdown or a stalemate or some kind of a um yeah difficult situation so that's the difference when i'm attached to the thought when i'm believing the thought when i'm totally caught up in that thought of he doesn't respect me. I can see nothing. Uh-huh. It's just yeah. black, you know? Right. Yeah. But I've seen these four questions that sound very basic. I've seen them applied through listening to you and not just you, but I've, I've followed the work in different ways as well, but I've seen them apply to really, um, really important situations. Actually, this one could be very important too, because I won't say it's not because if you continue to believe your partner doesn't respect you, then that could lead to dissolution of the relationship eventually. It is. Yeah. These things start small, but they build, you know, and they become big, big stories over time and they can become, they can become really nasty situations. They become, they can become violent even, you know, you can understand once you start playing with how do I react and you see your own little reactions you start to understand, even have compassion for the worst criminals that end up doing terrible things. They've been believing their thoughts unquestioned and building a story of victimhood so large that it just breaks out into something um, mm-hmm. really terrible. So we're doing something really important here, even if it yes. seems small, um, but it's the building blocks for bigger things. And even big situations, you know, big traumas in life, big issues they also can be um, worked in this way. The questions Mm -hmm. are the same, four questions, simple, seems like nothing. But what makes it interesting is the, um, are the answers that come out and the the, the self-discovery that happens here. And I am always surprised and fascinated by how individual those are in people. So it's like even listening to someone, let's say make, ask a question, do an inquiry and work through the process. It's like, I have my own set of thoughts that come out as I'm following along and rarely do they match the person's set of thoughts or solutions that they come up with. Like if you don't, if you don't believe that thought, then who are you? Like, what do you choose to do? How do you choose to react are always very different, let's say, than mine would be. Yeah. And so one of the things as a facilitator of the work um, that that I do and Byron Katie uh, has kind of encouraged us to do is to 
really stand back. Like we're not in the job of therapy here. We're in the job of holding a space for someone to do their own meditation. And so we just hold that space. And then that person goes in and, and sees what they see. And they may see something very different yes. than what I was seeing. And, and so, yeah, that's a, that's a really important. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's an important difference to, to point out as well. Because um, you are truly holding the space for someone to come up with their own thing. And, and like a psychotherapist or a psychologist, I mean, most good ones, we're going to hold the space as well. But there is a little bit, not a little bit, there's often a lot extra <laughs> that we do in there in terms of, um, you know, deciding with the person, like, is that action effective for you? Is it helpful or is it unhelpful? Does it disturb your life? Does it lead to a path of pain or does this lead to um, making your emotional, physical, mental health better? So I think with the yeah. work, it's really focused more on the inquiry and doesn't really take that step. It is more of a holding space. And then the person goes and, and decides what they want to do with it themselves. Yeah. I mean, you look at the difference, like a, a, a psychotherapist or someone doing a, a therapy has a lot of training and has a lot of, of information and knowledge to bring to the table. And so there, that's a very different kind of, of support. Um, whereas this is, I don't have training in psychology. I don't have that kind of background. I don't have that, that wealth of information to guide somebody in a particular way. Instead, I trust that they will find what works for them, what makes sense to them, and they will kind of explore um, on their own. And I'm just there to keep them in yes. that process. And then um, it is often amazing what they see, but it can be complementary to yes. other things like um, therapy. So that's, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So I know you don't just offer the free sessions. You also have retreats and workshops that you offer. Can you tell us some about those? Yeah, for sure. Um, probably my my biggest workshop is it's called the Work 101, which is a an online course. It's nine weeks long. Um, although I have a slow version of it that's nine months uh -huh. for busy people. <laughs> I like the slow version uh, option. But, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely has um, become popular because uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people are busy. But either way you take it, it's the same course. And we start right from the beginning. What is the work? What are the, what are the basics of it? And then we move um, right into writing some of these judge your neighbor worksheets, identifying stressful thoughts to question, and then actually questioning them. So it builds a practice over nine weeks or nine months of doing the work, dipping into the work on a regular basis with support. So as you're doing the work, you learn, okay, yeah, oh, that is the work, that isn't the mm -hmm. work, this is how, how you do it, this isn't how you do it, and you kind of um, gain experience in, in the group situation. Um, so that's that's my most popular and probably the one that I put the most attention on, because uh, my interest in supporting people in the work is to make it something that they can have and take care, mm -hmm. take with them and have for themselves whenever they need it. And to start to build something that is not just for emergencies only, but something that like I do, like mm -hmm. sort of once a day or once a week, somehow uh, an ongoing support. 
So that's um, that's the main one. Now, the other thing I offer are virtual retreats, and I do this on Zoom. And we have um, I do this a couple times a year where we have 24 hours a day around the clock. We have sessions, um, two hour sessions. Really? Every three like hours. all through the night even? And all through the night. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm not doing it's all like, of them. Wow. I do all the day ones in my time zone, but I have a I have a group of of people that I've trained uh, and worked together with um, called Inquiry Circle, and we they're all over the world, and so we have different um, different participants cool. from that group lead some of the sessions uh, for the European times, Australian times, and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's it, once you get the hang of it. Anyone can do uh-huh. this. It's, you don't, like I said, you don't have to be an expert. Um, and and then when we come together as a group, we often build on each other, and we often learn and go deeper. As Fascinating. And do you offer privates as well? You do. I do. Yes, I do. I I currently am offering private sessions once uh, one week per month. So it's not uh, not super available, but during that one week, oh, that's all I do. So how did you come uh, up with that? Like the one week a month? That was just out of practicality um, because I do spend a lot of time organizing the courses that I teach and um, the just you know managing the inquiry circle and managing all the different uh-huh. aspects of running a business um, and as well as tr- setting up more and more training programs, doing a podcast, all those things that take a lot of yeah. uh, time. So um, it just made sense to me to focus on one thing at one during one week and then focus uh, on other things during other times. Just kept me. I kept love it. I love, I love hearing about, I don't know, um, alternative. Let's, let me call it that way. Alternative like business models, quote unquote, you know, or really it's like work models. I heard of a therapist. Yeah. This is years ago in California where she would take one week off of every month. Not like, you know, two weeks a year or four weeks a year, whatever. It was one week month, one week off every single month. So she'd run clients, you know, three weeks of the month and then everybody got a week off. And so it just always stuck with me. So when you said that, it's like, it sounds very similar. Like I'm going to do concentrated individual private sessions one week of the month and give my full to that is what I'm hearing, my full attention. And and then the rest of the, the time I manage my... Uh, workshops and inquiry circle and all of that. I love it. That's cool. Yeah, it kind of works. Kind of works. I'm not like jumping in and out from one to the other all the time. So it's like when I'm in, I'm really in. When I'm when I'm out, yeah, I'm really yeah. Out. <laughs> it's really like focused attention. Yeah. Did yeah. you come up with that yeah. through the work? That my, my mind just goes there. Like how do I, you know, <laughs> like at some point <laughs> you ask the question. As you get in in the kind of habit of questioning things through the work these little questions sort of hover around you and sort of they're there for you to, um, to, to question anything like, yeah, I have to work every week. Is it true? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not true. And, and how do I react when I believe that thought I get, I, I feel obliged yeah. and, and who would I be without that thought exploring new possibilities? So that's great. Yeah. I, I didn't, I don't think I actually formally did the work on that uh, statement, but it must have been running around in there because it's it somehow opened. Yeah, to that absolutely. Yeah. Great. So that brings us to the last part of the work, which I haven't described yet, which is called um, the turnaround. Oh yes, and the turnaround. Thank are, you. <laughs> they're a great piece of the work here. Um, they're basically 
asking the question, could the opposite be true? You know, so I've got the original statement, uh, you know, he mm-hmm. doesn't respect me. So could the opposite be true? And we don't actually ask that question. We just say, can mm-hmm. you find a turnaround? And so there are usually more than one turnaround for, for, for sure. Statement. Yeah. Not again, always. this is always surprising to me. Like sometimes the turnaround seems so opposite. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually love how you will slow people down because once you do get the questions down, sometimes you go immediately to the turnaround. And it's like, no, 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 that's actually not the process. And when you do slow it down, that that first instinct turnaround isn't always uh, the most helpful one. Yeah, what, what happens, um, we all like to take shortcuts. And so we, <laughs> we think, okay, yeah, he doesn't respect me. Turn it around. Uh, he does respect he does me. Respect like it, we right. just flip it. Right? <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't really have the same effect as sitting meditatively and going through the four questions. Can you absolutely know it's true? And how do I react? And who would I be? Like that process of going through those questions starts to starts to loosen my attachment to the thought a little bit because Mm -hmm. I start to see that it's not really working for me. And I'm starting to be open to maybe exploring a turnaround. But if I just flip to the turnaround, it can sometimes just kind of slap me in the face and it doesn't feel as, it doesn't feel meditative. Mm -hmm. It just feels like, oh, I'm trying to convince myself that something's not true, but it is. And yeah. But when I go through the process slowly and, and carefully, then by the time I get to the turnarounds, my mind is often more open and I can start to, to feel into those turnarounds a little bit. So like, he doesn't respect me. He does respect me. That would be an opposite. Mm -hmm. So how could it be that even when he's interrupting me, he does, he is respecting me. And some of the stuff you found in question four may start to illuminate that as well. Like, Oh, maybe he's just excited or maybe Mm -hmm. um, he he's, like preoccupied with something and I'm thinking he's judging me or he's cutting me off, but it's not as personal as that. He's just, he's feeling rushed and Mm -hmm. needs to get, get on to the next thing. So every situation will be different, but you'll start to find examples or start to look for examples of how those turnarounds could be true. And often there's a lot of truth in these opposites. It's surprising, but it's very common, very common. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to me because again, in DBT, we have opposite action. So we do check the facts and let's say, you know, we get to this and it's like, okay, no, that's not true. Consider it's like a consider opposite action. Would it be helpful here? And, and it's often, it reminds me of that, like turnaround, like opposite action for, um, let's say anger is um, moving into a state of calm or taking a break, taking a step back, like something like that. So the turnarounds, um, I don't know. I just, I just always see parallels there with what would happen if you believe the turnaround, what would happen as well. You just play with them. You see, okay, what uh would happen if I believe this? And, and we have, sometimes we call what we call living turnarounds, which is similar to what you're just talking about of something I could actually do in that situation. And, you know, so I might, um, I might think he doesn't respect me and I might, might uh, think that he, he should really listen to me, like really pay attention to me, like make eye contact, you know, so mm-hmm. I could make that my turnaround, like my active turnaround, uh, where I'm actually making eye contact and listening to him 
and it might transform the whole experience um, yes. in that moment. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, really lovely to figure out those possibilities. Yeah. It is a sense of freedom, I think, for me. I speak for myself, but I, I seem to hear that in a lot of people too who do the work. Yeah. It's like it is a sense of freedom when you see that there's there's just possibilities to choose from. You're not completely stuck on one path, whether that's action in the real world or whether that's in your in your heart and mind. Yeah. How you see it and options for acting, when you start seeing more possibilities there, the experience is greater freedom. So I don't have to depend on the situation changing, which is what we often uh, do mm -hmm. depend on either the situation changing or me going out and changing the situation, which is also a valid form of acting in the world where I'm actually trying to fix something, do something, you know, change something. Yeah, that's great. But there are things that we can't control. And so when that happens, what do I do? I can't, I try to change something. I can't change it. You know, I'm up against yeah. illness or I'm up against some powerful person but when I do the work, I can always find that wiggle room inside of myself where I can, I can change how I see that. Like, oh, maybe it's not as bad a thing as I thought, or maybe there's an option here that I didn't see. And that's what this process is about. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. And we do get into hot water sometimes when uh, we're trying to change another person or something that's not in our control. It's like, oh, that's that's really not in my control. I mean, I can set intentions about my own behavior and how I act, but it is really difficult if we're expecting somebody else to change in this particular way. And maybe they don't want to. Who knows? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like <laughs> when it comes back to your own behavior, you have a lot more control. A there. lot more control. Yeah. Yeah. But and even within that, like if it starts to be stressful that I'm trying to change my own behavior and I'm unable to do that, mm -hmm. which is also yeah. can happen then then the work can be applied to that as well and then it's like i can just pull back a little more to um to what byron katie come sometimes calls my business versus your business or my business mm -hmm. versus god's business like what i can't control is everyone else's business what i can control is is my business which is often just how i see it um, so i may be able to act i may not be able to act and I can find compassion for myself as well when I can't do what I would like myself to do. And that can be question, you know, you can start with, oh, absolutely. I should, you know, I should lose 10 pounds or something like that. And, and, right. And, yeah. And you can do the work on that and you can find that it's okay that I don't lose 10 pounds. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to uh, now just give up my self-care. It just means that I'm not mm -hmm. going to push myself. Up. I'm not going to kill myself over. It. I'm not going to stress myself. Yeah. And, and that easier hold is often more effective anyway. For sure. Yeah. I think that's a great example. So we are coming to the end of our time here and I've really enjoyed our conversation about the work and about your work. Please tell people again, how to find you. I know we said it at the beginning of the podcast, but, um, I know a lot of people skip the beginning, so <laughs> you can tell people how to find you in <laughs> okay. yeah. your new podcast. Yeah, for sure. Please come and join me. My my podcast is called Wiggle Room, and you can find it wherever you find podcasts. Um, you can also find it at theworkasmeditation.com, which is my website. 
as well. You'll find there many of the programs, all of the programs that I offer, including the free open sessions, the work 101, virtual retreats. I have a newsletter that I write um, every week, which is not just like a salesy newsletter, but I usually share something that's either going on for me or something with, with my clients or some insight with how to do the work. So there's lots of resources there. Um, if you're interested in the work of Byron Katie, um, check it out, theworkasmeditation.com. Wonderful. Thank you for being here. And I'm going to say your newsletter is fantastic. Like it's actually one that I read. <laughs> I don't just delete it. You know, like a lot of my newsletters, it's like delete, delete, delete. And it's like, oh no, one from Todd. I'm actually going to read this. <laughs> so I really want to thank you for that. I really do appreciate it. My pleasure. And again, thanks for being on the podcast. truly enjoying today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace. This podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need therapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional.